Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. The series is Why Church is Essential. A lot of preachers are optimistic about what's going on, but all of them in the back of their mind have the same concern that during this time that we're not having church as usual, that some church members might backslide. They might conclude that, hey, I've been out of church for three months, and may conclude, therefore, that church is non-essential, thinking to themselves, you know, I'm doing okay. You know, I kind of like it. I like my Sundays free, my Wednesday nights free. And besides, I didn't like some of the things that were going on at church anyway. And uh, I'm kind of learning. Some people might think that I can do church uh, or I can be a good Christian without church. And this could be tempting in a practical sense because church or Christianity requires effort. It requires discipline. you got to get yourself up and off to church. you got to get yourself off to church on a Wednesday night. You have to put up with some people that, well, you just have to put up with. You have to listen, you have to apply, and you go there, and oftentimes you get your toes stepped on. So it's easy to think that maybe I don't need it when you realize that when you do need it, it is nonetheless going to require some effort. So I want to show you in this series that church is indeed not an option. It is essential. And by essential, I mean absolutely necessary to you, indispensable to you, of the utmost importance. And I have preached two messages on that before this one. One, we said the church is essential because it's the pillar and ground of the truth. It's the pillar and ground of the truth. And by the way, let me chase a rabbit here real quick. If you look at what's going on in our country right now, who we are, what we have, and what we're all about is more important than ever. This is, this is the time that our light should shine the brightest. I mean, this is not the time for us to get discouraged or be in despair. Our country needs salt and light right now. We're about bringing people together. We're about helping people love one another and forgive one another. We're about unity. We're about people caring for one another and showing compassion to one another. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Number two, we said the church is essential because that's where you find evangelists, pastors, and teachers for instructing believers to experience the blessings of the fullness of Christ. It's in the church that God gave evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And to miss out on church is to miss out on those evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And to miss what God has divinely ordained them to do for you in your life. And then Wednesday night, we started number three. The church is essential because of the necessity of mutual encouragement. The necessity for mutual encouragement. Two of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. 
give us another reason to understand why church is essential. Verse number 24 of Hebrew 10. And let us, the church, consider one another, the church, to provoke or encourage unto love and to good works. We come together as the body of Christ to encourage or provoke one another to love and good works. And he emphasizes that in the next verse by saying, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. There's always some Christian that's going to come up with an excuse as to why they don't need to be at church. But exhorting one another. One another. We are in this together. We need each other. We go to church both to exhort and to be exhorted. You may say, well, hey, I don't need exhortation. Well, will you quit thinking about yourself and understand that other people do and you need to exhort them? And that's what it says here. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Understand, this world is a hostile place to our faith. The flesh, Satan, and the world, they're all hostile to our faith. So they're battling us, trying to discourage us. And we need encouragement. And a great part of that encouragement, according to Scripture, comes from brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's so important to understand. And that's one of the reasons Satan will try to discourage you to stay at home and not come. Because if you're not here, you're not going to get that encouragement. You're not going to get the exhortation. Now, on Wednesday night, tune in, because we're going to share with you on Wednesday night more about that mutual encouragement. Right now, I want to spend just a few minutes laying the the groundwork for why we need that mutual encouragement. What necessitates that? To understand that, you need to understand the book we're reading from, the book of Hebrews. The Hebrews, as I said Wednesday night, but a lot of you didn't get it, understandable. The Hebrews were the Jews who had converted to Christianity. These are first-generation Christians. They're figuring it out for the first time. They have no history of, of the sword of the Lord or Billy Graham or Billy Sunday. Or, I mean, they're, they're just finding their way for the first time. And on top of that, they have become despised and they've become a persecuted minority. And life was hard for them. And many were having second thoughts about this whole Jesus thing. Honey, are you sure we've made the right decision? Life sure was better before we started following this Jesus. And as a result, and this is the reason Hebrew was written, they were tempted to abandon the faith. They were tempted, and they were contemplating going back to Judaism. So the writer of Hebrews, we think it was Paul, we don't know that for sure, but whoever it was wrote them with this in mind. I am writing people that are going through a tough time in their lives. And he writes the following. This is a warning that he gives in Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. Therefore, having acknowledged the problems that they were facing, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. He is telling them, be careful. 
give earnest heed. Think about, reflect on what I have, what you have been taught as Christians. If you don't give a more earnest heed, if you don't dedicate yourself during these tough times, you're going to slip. You're going to slip. During trials, such as what we're going through right now, there will be Christians that will let their faith slip. One writer said, drifting or slipping, drifting is something that happens quite automatically when we're not anchored to anything solid. If we're not anchored in the superiority of Jesus, we will drift with the currents of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And while pastors, for the most part, that I've talked to are encouraged by the giving, by the grace of the people, by their outreach through live stream, underlying that every pastor has a concern that while the flock is separated, although we're still having church, it's not as we are accustomed to. Their concern is that some people might drift. That's what he said in verse 1 of chapter 2. You skip down a couple verses to verse number 3 in that same chapter, and he takes it a little further, his concern. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Oh, I won't tune in on Wednesday night. You know, I'll catch it later in the week. They, they keep it on there, and then things come up, and you miss it. You, you've neglected it. Or, and that's too much trouble to drive in, or too much trouble for this. If you're not careful, you begin to neglect it. I like what this writer says. The danger here is that of neglecting our salvation. He says, please note that the author did not write rejecting, but neglecting. He is not encouraging sinners to become Christians. Rather, he is encouraging Christians to pay attention to the great salvation they have received from the Lord. There's a dangerous risk when you're going through tough times, according to Hebrews, that you may begin to drift and you may begin to neglect. You say, well, what are the chances of that happening today? Well, it's really evident that it is happening today. I read in a Christian Post article that nearly half of all churchgoers have not tuned in to any of their online services. Half. I hope that's not the case here at Mile Baptist Church. I don't think it is the case here at Mile Baptist Church. But that statistic sure warrants the writer's concern expressed even 2,000 years ago. There's reason to have that same concern today. So the writer says, don't let your faith slip or drift. The problem was spiritual drift. And understand this, it... It happens imperceptibly. Not too many Christians will just decide, you know, after the first two weeks of the pandemic and not being able to physically meet, that I'm done with church. No. But after a month, you get out of the routine. After two months, you get out of the habit. After three months, life isn't what it was. And understand the warning of drifting. Because drift, and this is a quote I shared with you Wednesday night. Maybe some of you remember it. It's worth remembering. Drift is always to evil. 
It is by struggle that we advance spiritually. Nobody ever just gets lazy, I'm not going to tune in, I'm not going to read my Bible, and get more spiritual and experience the blessings that come with that. No one ever, ever, ever drifts to spiritual maturity. And you won't either. It requires dedication. It requires intentionality. Because in this world, it's hostile to you being faithful, to you maturing. You have to work at maintaining your faith. You have to be intentional at keeping your faith. You have to resist the temptations to protect your faith. Like the Hebrews, we're going through some tough times, thankfully. I think things are looking better, both health-wise and hopefully economically. Now, our social unrest, so that's a different topic, and we'll, we'll get to that. But going through tough times, some Christians may be tempted to question their faith. I think only a very few will abandon their faith. Most will be tempted to compromise their faith. You know, going to church Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday night. Or there are churches out there that just meet once a week. You know, when someone starts thinking like that, you, you got to, you know, is that a person thinking, how can I grow more? How can I be more spiritually mature? You know, I think about that for a second. The answer to spiritual drift and to neglect is what we read again in verse number 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, in other words, understanding the temptations that are real because of the problems we face, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Don't drift. Don't neglect. Ratchet it up ratchet it up knowing that the enemy is trying to deceive you into neglecting your faith into drifting from your faith understanding that he is out there to deceive you it is a lie thinking it's going to be easier thinking it's going to be better until it isn't thinking that the lord's way is the hard way when it isn't it requires discipline but with that discipline comes great reward. You don't get to the top of Mount Everest because it's easy. You don't see the view from Mount Everest because it's easy. But if you're willing to pay the price, you get to see the view. If you're willing to be the kind of dedicated, mature Christian that you ought to be, you get to experience the view. You get to experience peace in your heart. You get to experience the right relationship with your spouse. You get to experience children that uh, respect you value your opinion therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard one writer said the duty here talking about that statement the duty here intended is a serious firm fixed settling of the mind upon that which we hear a bowing and a bending of the will to yield unto it an applying of the heart to it a placing of the affections upon it, what you've heard, what you've been taught through the years, and bringing the whole man into conformity thereunto. When the writer there in Hebrews says to give heed lest you slip, 
or drift. The theologians say that's in reference to a, a nautical image, not, not a naughty image, a nautical seafaring image. The ideas of a sea captain who needs to take heed to anchor his ship in a safe port during a storm. And if he's not paying particular attention, the winds and the gusts may drive him past the port onto the rocks of destruction. We don't want to see anybody in our congregation slip past the port of safety and end up on the rocks of destruction. During storms, such as what we've been going through, you don't want to be asleep at the helm lest your life become a wreck. So let me conclude with personal application. How do we make this happen? Why do we make this happen? Why do I need to recommit my efforts? Why do I need to make sure I'm not slipping, my family aren't slipping, my children aren't slipping? Because it's a real possibility. It wouldn't have been addressed in the book of Hebrews if it wasn't a possibility. Number one, he says, take the more earnest heed to the things you have heard. You've heard a lot through your years in church. Number one, realize the value of what you have heard. You will stay committed and you won't drift if you understand the value of what you've heard. What you have heard from God's Word preached in your own personal study is truth. The world has all sorts of lies out there. You can't believe half the, the news you hear on TV today. But the Word of God you have heard is truth. Ultimate truth. You can have confidence in it. There is no fake news in the Bible. You can have 100% confidence. You, you will stay committed. You will not drift. You will be anchored when you realize what you've heard is the truth. When you realize what you've heard is powerful. Powerful enough to change your life and change the lives of the people in our community and other churches changing the lives of people in their community, thereby changing this nation. It is truth, it is powerful, and it, what gives, it, it is the source of peace and joy in your life. Nothing gives you peace or joy than what you have heard. So number one, realize the value of what you've heard. Number two, understand that your flesh, the world, and Satan are the enemies of what you have heard. We live in a battleground. Heaven won't be a battleground. The battle is won there. It's over. It's done. But this earth is a battleground. So understand that the flesh, the world, and Satan are the enemies that you have heard. They want you to drift. They want you to neglect. They want you to get frustrated. They want you to argue among yourselves as to whether we should be doing this or, or that. Understand your flesh is weak. The world is tempting. And Satan is deceptive. Don't fall for it. Ground yourself in the word of truth, the word that is powerful, and the word that gives you peace and joy. And then lastly, how do you take heed? Be intentional to take advantage of every opportunity to enhance and to develop the things which you have heard. Be intentional. Make plans. Put it on your calendar. On Wednesday nights, we stop what we're doing. I know I can tune it in later, but 
something always comes up. No, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we're, we're watching, we're listening. Uh, you're, you're intentional about it. Church will help you take heed. Prayer will help you take heed. Personal Bible devotions will help you take heed. And coming to church, don't, don't, don't let Satan mess with you. I want to go in the church, I want to sit in my pew, and I want it to be just like I've had it before. Pastor McMorris has to answer to the fact that we're in a pandemic, folks. It's still going on. Thankfully, it's getting better. Hopefully, it'll go away. That's what I've been praying to the Lord. Lord, make it go away. But let us not waste what we have experienced. Let us grow through what we have experienced. So, the danger that every one of us face, myself included, is we could all drift. I guess I'm supposed to, I'm walking away from the camera. I forget. Uh, we, there, there is a danger of drifting. And there's a danger of neglecting. So the Bible says, and those of you that are, that get it, understand. You gotta take an earnest heed. Sincere, dedicated, valuing what you have heard, understanding the importance of it, keeping it paramount in your life, keeping it paramount in your family's life. In this sin-cursed world, you need a strong faith. Your family needs a strong faith. Our community needs a strong faith. Our nation needs a strong faith. This is not the time for us to drift. This is not the time for us to neglect. This is a time for us to be on our knees before God, humbly asking Him to grow us, to make us, to break us, to use us, however He sees fit. That we come through this refining fire stronger than ever before, ready to reach this community as never before, excited about what God has done, learning from what He has taught each of us, revealing to us in this time our weaknesses, our shortcomings, and then on top of that, looking to Him to help us overcome our weaknesses and shortcomings to be stronger. Our community, our family, our nation needs us. Needs us to not drift. Needs us to not neglect. But to recommit ourselves. Let's pray. Dear Lord, When times become uncertain, Satan starts to work overtime to take advantage of that situation. May he not have the victory of one church member at Mile Baptist Church. May we come through this stronger than ever before. Lord, may when we return and it's business back to usual, and Lord, you know we're working on that as fast as we can, but we've got to be safe. We've got to be wise. We've got to respect that there are people that are scared. And, and Lord, from what we know, have, have some reason to be concerned. May we respect them, Lord. May we, may we practice our social distancing. But Lord, at the same time, we can do all of that. We can do two things at once. We can respect one another. We can be patient, Lord, as we move forward. But we can also grow and mature. And I pray that would be the case. And Lord, if there's one person that's watching by way of Facebook Live, 
Lord, if they don't know you as their Savior, I pray that they'd bow their head right where they are, confess their sins to you, and accept you as their Savior. Lord, if one of them will do that, Lord, I pray they'd also get in touch with us and let us rejoice with them, their decision to become a Christian. So, Lord, thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. Thank you for our church family. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here, whether they're in chairs or whether they're in their cars, Lord, either way, they're watching online. Whatever avenue they've chosen, Lord, that's a huge blessing and encouragement to this pastor. Lord, help us to love one another. Help us to be patient with one another. And help us to be on fire for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.